So we are in a series called Death Defeated, and it goes, uh, the last uh, week is next week, where we're going to talk about, and I, like I said, I love the title for next week. It's, it is finished, but, he, but you are not. And I believe that God has something great for us, and uh, this whole progress, uh, progression of the Death Defeated series. And today, the reason why we wanted, I wanted to do that new song, which I absolutely love, by the way, uh, so I hope you love it too, because it's going to become part of our normal song, so get Get used to it, um, learn it, live it, love it, but uh, it's because today's message is called, Where's Your Victory? Where's Your Victory? Uh, we've, been, we've been saying, uh, speaking from the uh, scripture, 1 Corinthians 15, 54 through 57 through this series, and so I want to start with that, and you'll understand where the, the Where's Your Victory uh, tagline, because in it, it says this, then when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, talking about heaven, this scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where's your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. But thank God, he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. Will you pray with me real quick? Jesus, I just pray that the words that come out of my mouth are not mine, they're yours. That God, they're, they're founded in your word, they're founded in your purpose for today. And God, open up our hearts and our, our minds and our ears to hear your word. Your word says, those who have ears, let them hear. Those who have eyes, let them see. And so God, we ask today that we would be able to see what you have for us. God, let it impact us, change us, challenge us, equip us to, to become not just good Christians inside this house, but greater Christians, greater followers of Christ in the world that need you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I have said this saying every week, and it is this. His death defeated sin. His resurrection defeated death. Okay? His death defeated sin once and for all. It says that he went down to hell, and he snatched the keys from the enemy. He took back the power that, that the enemy had, and he snatched it. And his resurrection, it defeated death. And so we have to realize that first and foremost, as Christians, we do not live from a place of, of worry and anxiety and, and stress. Because if death cannot defeat us, then nothing else in life can. There's nothing that you are facing. Not one thing. Imagine the worst thing in the world. Not one thing you are facing that Jesus is not willing to walk with you through. And, and it doesn't mean that we don't feel pain, and it doesn't mean that we're not going to go through hard times, because we will. But as a matter of fact, I, I'll say it this way. The Bible promises you. Promises you that you will walk through hard times if you are a Christian. So many of us, we, we think that, you know, oh, the moment I, I, I turn to Jesus, the moment I say, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord and Savior, that, all of a sudden, everything's going to be peachy. It's, it's rainbows and, and unicorns and, and leprechauns with pots of gold and you and Jesus skipping through the flowers with one of those slow-mo uh, montages behind you. Jesus. Oh. It's, it's more like a gauntlet, like one thing to the next, and you're like, you get through one thing, and you're like, ha, ah, I won, and he's like, okay, get ready. It's coming. That doesn't mean that there, it's just these, we walk through life, these ups and downs, but it doesn't mean that spiritually our life should be this emotional and, and spiritual roller coaster. Because why? Because I know if, if death can't defeat me, then, then how can this circumstance? 
I may, I may go through a moment where I feel down. I may go through a moment where it's tough, but I know a God who I serve that loves me. And, and the Bible says that for those he, that love him, that good will come of it. So everything we walk through, every lost loved one, every uh, lost job, every struggle trial, every financial hardship, everything we go through has a purpose and a plan that God can use for his glory. And we need to realize that if death is defeated, everything we walk through has a purpose in it. So I have a couple of thoughts this morning, and, and, and they're really simple thoughts, because I'm a really simple person. But the first one is this, Jesus equals victory. Jesus frees us from being connected to the consequences of sin and death. I mean, that should be like, like, listen, if there's ever a party that should be thrown, it's the fact that Jesus' death, it separates us from the consequences of sin and death eternally. Now, here's the caveat. That if you choose sin and death, you are not protected. You can't say, well, I love Jesus, so I, but, and, 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 and because I love Jesus and because he has forgiven me, I'm just going to go do whatever I want, and then every Sunday I'll just come back and I'll worship him. That's not what the Bible says. Matter of fact, Paul says it in Romans. He says, uh, you know, is God, is God grace covering all of our sins? Yes, but does that mean that we should go and just sin? No. The, the Bible uses words like sanctification. It's the process of being coming closer to Jesus. And when we do that, there are things, and, I, and I've talked about this even earlier in this, uh, the series, that, uh, that when, when I'm looking to Jesus and when I'm walking towards Jesus, then I am literally walking away from my past life. I'm literally walking away from the sins and the hurt and the pain and the addictions and, and the struggles of my last and past life. That, that as I choose Jesus, the things that have happened before don't get to grab a hold of me. See, death would say that it's going to attack and attached to you. The enemy wants you to believe that the very worst things that you've went through are the very things that will define each and every one of you. Remember when you said that to this person? Remember when you did this to that person? Remember when you did this to yourself? Oh, yeah. And the enemy wants to attach that thing as your identity. Yeah, you're a liar. Yeah, you're a gossiper. Yeah, you're a cheater. And God says, no, 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 no. I've defeated death, so I've defeated that title. I've defeated that in your life, that you don't get to, you don't have to hold on to the things. You don't have to hold on to them like some sad little pet that you just could go back to and, oh, yeah, this is just who I am. No. Jesus equals victory. Galatians 5.1. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. And that seems so like simple. And I love Jesus because he is simple. We make Jesus more complicated than he really is. We really do. Like we want to make, we love, especially in, I'll say in my world, we love having, you know, big words like theology, you know, which means the study of God's word. We can't say that because it doesn't make us sound smart. So we say, well, I'm going to have a theological conversation with other pastors. I'm going to go talk about Jesus with other people that are like-minded. And, and, and so when we do that, listen, Jesus is very simple. He says, I came so that you would be free and that you could live in that freedom. It's really that simple. It's the question of, are you going to choose that? And so it says, it is for freedom that Christ set us free. Stand firm then 
and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. There are a couple of words that really stick out to me in that, uh, that scripture. It says this, stand firm, don't be burdened, freedom of Christ. Here's what I mean. You must stand firm. You must be the gatekeeper of your life. So many of us are just like, well, you know, just come on in. Just, just hurt me. Just abuse me. Just use me. I'm just going to, you know what? I don't know how to deal with it, so I'm just going to use that drug. I'm just going to use that alcohol. I'm just going to use that show. I'm going to use those words, and, and I'm just going to let them attach. Come on in. Come on. I don't, I, I don't have self-control, Pastor. Just, I, I'm sorry. I would love to stop, but I can't. It's just, they got to keep coming. You are the gatekeeper of your life. You have the power within you as Jesus is, uh, as somebody who follows Jesus to say, no, that is not who I am. That will not be attached to my life. No, I will not be that person anymore. I may used to be a liar, but I'm not that person anymore. You know what? I used to use this, do that, say this, but no longer will I do that because I am a gatekeeper and I'm going to keep out the things that do not need to be in my life, that do not promote Jesus. You need to be a gatekeeper and you need to stand watch. Now, I know that I've got at least one military, a couple military people in here. And, and I've talked to enough of them that when you are out, um, and, and maybe even on, on your weekends, do you have somebody that stands guard? Anybody that has to stay up at night? Oh, you guys are lucky. No, okay. Not during those trainings. But if he was to get deployed... And, and Chris, is, well, you were on a ship most of the time, but uh, maybe stand guard, I don't know. But when you are deployed into like Afghanistan or Iraq and you're on base at one of those, they have people set up at the post. And their job is all night to stand guard to make sure that the people in there are safe. And if they slack on their job, then everybody else gets hurt. And the Bible says that we are to stand guard of our life. Holy Spirit, come into my life and, and stand guard so that the things that don't need to get into my life don't get in. The Bible's very clear about how we, how we perceive things through our eyes and our ears and, and, and what we allow into our life. That's why when a lot of people sit there and say things like, you know, oh, it's, it's no big deal, it's just a song, no big deal, it's just a movie, I go, but it, actually, it's, it is a big deal. It's a big deal. Now, I'm, listen, this isn't legalistic. I'm, I'm not going to sit there and, you know, well, if you just bring me your, all of your movies, I'll, I'll check them through the pastoral, uh, you know, filter and let you know if they're right or wrong. No, no, I don't care. I don't want to do that for you. I don't want that job. That's what the Holy Spirit's for. I don't need to be your Holy Spirit. Your wife doesn't need to be your Holy Spirit. They will try. And, and you know, honestly, they're a, good, they're a good barometer. I ain't going to lie. Um, your significant other could be a great barometer of the Holy Spirit for your life. But only the Holy Spirit can be the Holy Spirit. And so you have to allow God to speak into you. And you go, why do you watch this? Why do you listen to this? Why do you entertain those jokes or those conversations? Because I want to fit in. I want to be like, because I don't want to be considered a loser or lame. And even as adults, those are, convert, those are thoughts that we have. And we can all sit here and say, no, I'm, I'm, I'm more mature than that. No, you're not. No, we're not. We care. If we didn't care, things like Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, Twitter would not exist. They wouldn't. Why do they exist? Why are they so popular? Because we care. Why does like, people like Kim Kardashian have millions of followers? They'll never meet her. They'll never know her. Kim Kardashian could care less if you exist. And yet, millions of people follow her. 
or any other famous person. Why? Because we care. We want to know. We want to know what they're wearing. We want to know where they're going. We want to live vicariously through somebody else's life in some other land that we have never been to. We care. And it's okay to care. But we should never care more about other people and the world that is around us than the Jesus that is inside of us. And he gets to be the, the, the stand guard and the watch. And so we have to stand firm in our faith and we have to be, uh, be vigilant with how we allow things in so that we can get the end result, which is freedom from, in Christ. So that I can stand firm and have freedom in Jesus so that I can enjoy life. If somebody wants to sit there and say that Christianity is a boring lifestyle, they do not know the Jesus and the Christianity I live. I have a lot of fun. A lot of fun. I don't need to do what everybody else is doing to have fun because I have found things that truly bring joy to my life. And, and it could be a number of things. Some of you, it's hunting. Some of you, it's fishing. Some of you, it's crafting and DIYing. And, and, and for me, it's, it's music and motorcycles and, and, you know, tinkering in my garage. My wife, it's completely redoing our house about every two months. walking our whole back of our house this week, and it's like completely, and listen, I love it, because I never have to do any of it, and it, it's like, oh, hey, cool, this is new. Where'd you get it? Our attic? Oh, cool, awesome. How much is up there? <laughs> it's like we've got a whole DIY store up there. And so, and so we, we, we have this, but here's the great thing, is when I get on my motorcycle, I don't have to try to be something that I'm not. I don't have to be this big, bad biker dude. I don't have to be wild hogs. You know, <laughs> patched up. No, listen, I'm a pastor and a police officer. There's nothing scary about me when it comes to getting on a motorcycle. I just enjoy it. And I don't have to be anything other than get to get out there and, and get the wind in my hair, get the wind, <laughs> whatever, shut up. Some of you get to enjoy that. But you get to enjoy, I, get to, I love to get out and just play sports with friends. And I don't have to worry about all of this stuff. I just, I just get to go and be me, and, and I get to express my love for God through every aspect. It's so awesome. I love getting off of a motorcycle and, and, and get, just talking. Listen, I could talk to a tree and make friends with it. I really could. Probably done it once or twice. And, and, and just getting, you know, sitting there, oh, hey, where are you? I could listen. Two minutes with somebody, I'll find their story out. And just get, and they'll be like, oh, who are you? Well, and, da, da, da. And, and if I get just a little opportunity to tell them about the fact that, you know, maybe it's what do you do for a living? I don't tell them police officer. That's just what pays the bills. What I do for a living is I'm a pastor. And so I tell them, I say, man, I, man, I, I run a, a church called Freedom Church in, in Camden, Arkansas. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, let me tell you more. Just open the door and just slowly get to open doors and tell them about Jesus. And, and it's because I have set my life up that Jesus is the victory in my life. And so I just want to deposit it in as many different places and in many different ways as I can. And I have fun doing it. So many of us, we think Christianity is boring because we don't experience the freedom that Christ has for us. We just experience the religion that church has for us. And I'm telling you, when you understand the first one, the second one becomes less important. I don't need a church to, to tell me who God is because I'm experiencing a real, true, loving God. So Jesus is victory. The second thing is this, is that life and death pro both produce in us. That doesn't sound very good, but it's true. Life and death both produce in us. Look at Romans 8, 5 through 9. It says this, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. 
But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. See, the Bible tells us that life and death are placed before us in Deuteronomy. It says, today I've placed before you life and death. And then he encourages you, choose life. You could choose death. I wouldn't promote it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, tell you to, but, but you could choose it. And none of us would sit here and say, well, I'd like to choose death. Sounds fun for a moment. But when I say things like, go and do, and do your own thing apart from God, so many of us can start to think, yeah, I've done that a time or two. You know what, get into, get into things that are going to pull you away from God, things that are going to drag you down, things that are going to uh, absolutely destroy your life that may seem fun in the moment, but ultimately have a, a pathway to death. So the Bible says, hey, look, you could choose it, but I'm telling you, choose life. And in that scripture, it tells you the sinful person and the sinful heart does this, and it always leads to death. But the spirit uh, that controls our mind and controls our life and controls uh, this joy in us, it leads to life and it leads to peace. Christ connects us to life and all that it produces. Sin connects us to death and all that it produces. It's just the truth. Jesus will always lead you to life. There's never a moment where I've walked with Jesus and, and I've, you know, gotten to something in my life and I go, oh, Lord, what have you led me to? And he's like, <laughs> death. Never. Now, it may have been scary, right? The Bible, the, David writes, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. He never says this. He never says, though I camp in the shadow of death. And here's the problem is so many of us, when we start to walk through struggles in life, instead of pushing through and saying, okay, God, what do you have for this? We just set up camp. <laughs> like, well, I guess this is just what life is going to give me. I don't like this job, but I'm just going to sit here. And God's going, no, 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 no. I need you to push through. I need you to, to be the best worker that you can be so that you can be promoted. I need you to, to, to learn things so that you can grasp some education and go and do something great. I have something greater for you, but you're sitting in death. And I never told you to sit there. I just told you to walk through the shadow of it. You may walk through the shadow of some hard times, but you were never meant to camp and live there. And so many of us, we, we just, we, we're walking through it and it gets so hard in life that we just say, well, I guess this is who I am. I guess this is all, this is the best it's going to get. I got to be okay with it just being okay. That's not Okay. Jesus never meant for your life to just be settled for something other than his will for you. Mediocrity is not a part of God's plan for your life. God has never, ever, ever said, well, you know, most people are destined for greatness, but nah, not you. You may go, well, I'm never going to be this leader. I'm never going to be a CEO. I'm never going to be this, that. Listen, maybe you're the greatest mother your kids will ever have. Maybe you're the greatest worker that your, your, your boss will ever have. 
See, greatness doesn't have to be on a world stage. It's on your world stage. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to make the commitment to be the best husband that I possibly can be. And with Jesus' help, I'm going to have that victory. and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the best version of myself for my family. I'm not going to let death hold me back anymore. See, life produces some things. Life produces joy, love, purpose, peace, truth. Those are all great things. How many want more of that in their life? Man, I want, I want more peace in my, I want more peace in my life. I want more joy in my, I want to wake up and I want to be joyful. You know how many times the Bible talks about joy? It says the joy of the Lord is my strength. And yet we walk around and we walk so burdened, so distraught, so depressed, so anxious. And can I tell you that it's because we're living out of a place of death, trying to do it on our own. Man, if I just, if I just work a little harder, if I just, if I just do this, maybe if I, maybe if I buy more things that I'll be, I'll be more happy. And, or maybe if I, if I just go and I'd be the life of the party or if I, and we try all these different things instead of trusting Jesus. Death produces things like fear, lies, worry. How many times have we woken up or walked into the bathroom and we see ourselves in the mirror and we go, I can't even look at myself because I feel this overwhelming anxiousness or depression. Or you look at yourself and you go, I'm not good enough. How can God love me if I can't love myself? How can God say that there's greatness in me when I can't even look at myself in the mirror and see what God sees? And that's what the enemy tries to do. It tries to speak to you and say, you're not good enough. You'll never be good enough. Ah, there's always someone better than you. There's always someone smarter than you. There's always someone in fill in the blank. And we believe the lies and we believe the hurt and we believe because of past uh, things that have happened. Maybe somebody hurt you, somebody abused you. Maybe somebody has just spoken death over you over and over and over again to the point to where you believed it. And so you thought that is who you are instead of believing the voice of God that is so far out there that you're like, I am nothing. And God is saying, that is not what I have for you. But you got to choose it. You got to wake up every day and say, I'm going to push through it. It's not always easy. I'm going to get up and I'm going to, I'm going to spend some time with Jesus. I'm going to put myself around great people. I, I have thoroughly enjoyed this season of life. We've got some guys just, you know, and I love it. I love that there are so many guys in this church that are just coming together and building relationships and having fun. I don't know about you females, but I know the guys. We're having some fun. And it's so fun to watch like every aspect from younger to older. And they're just having, and we're just finding this joy um, of hanging out as like-minded believers. And it's not boring and it's not lame and it's not for the old folks. I'm not there yet. No comments. Thank you. Age is, age is just another thing. It's just, the number is nothing. I'm hoping I'm 80 years old, still like, you know, ready to go and take on the world. I really do. It's because I, there's a joy. And so I want to be, I want to be doing maybe not push-ups at 90 something years old, but um, <laughs> Gerald's trying to kill me over here. It's like, you got to do 90 push-ups today. I'm like, listen, buddy, <laughs> calm down. I'm going to have an aneurysm trying to 
do 90 push-ups today. But I, I want to I find joy in just hanging out and talking life and, and getting on the phone with other brothers and just being like, hey, man, how's your day? Even if it's as simple as, ah, oh, it's pretty good. Okay, cool. Talk to you later. Because we're building life together. We're doing community together. We're changing lives together. Listen, most of you in this room, your life was changed over the last three years because of something that happened, not because of me and Stephanie, but because you showed up at a place that seemed a little different and you gave it a try. And now instead of leaving it in these four walls, we're starting to take it out there and we're starting to say, hey, this life, come, you got to check. Listen, it is different than you ever thought. It is not about just doing the right. Listen, we're, we're doing church in the middle of our sanctuary. Like we're, we're just, we're weird. <laughs> I don't know any other way to say it. We're weird. But you know what? The world is not looking for this perfectly put together church. They're looking for people that look just like them. And they're looking for people to say, what do you have that's so different? Man, I've tried everything else. And I keep coming back to these same things. What do you have? Let me tell you. It's Jesus. It's real simple. I don't have it all together. I don't, I don't know all the answers. But here's what I know. I gave my life to Jesus. And every day, I try to be a little bit closer to him and a little bit better of a person defined by his word. And when I do that, there is a joy of God that comes over me. There is a peace of God that comes over me. There is a purpose of God. So many of you I've watched over the last three years start to go, hey, I, I found another piece of the purpose. I found another piece of the puzzle. I found community. I found joy. I have found my identity, and it's not scary to look in the mirror anymore because I don't believe the lies. I have a word that I have used over and over and over and over again in my life. Forget the water. It's intentional. Here's the deal. You are constantly, intentionally choosing what kind of life you will live. By not choosing, you're choosing. When you just skate through life, you're choosing death. There is no such thing as neutral in life. You're either moving forward or you're moving backwards. And so, so the Bible says, hey, listen, you have a choice today. Why wait another year to choose life? Let that sit in for a minute. Why wait another day to choose life? When what God has for you could start now. It could be built. And for some of you that are, man, I'm, you know, rocking and rolling and you're loving where you're at in life. Keep choosing life. Don't let the enemy come in and say, ah, you're, you're, you're good enough, April. You can slow down. Because that's what the enemy wants. The enemy wants you. Listen, if he can't take you out, he just wants you to stop moving forward. Just stop. You're already showboating for Jesus, okay? Just slow down. Nah. I want to make the enemy uncomfortable in Camden. I want miracles to happen in Camden. I, I, listen, I, I want people to believe in Jesus so badly that it, it flows out into the business world, that it flows out into the education system. Hello, I think uh, we, we, we have six teachers in the room today. You make a difference. Law enforcement, you make a difference. And we can, listen, I work with some jaded people. I'm not going to lie. There are some jaded people that just, they've seen so much. How can their spirits not be depressed with death? We, know, we need to show the firemen and the police officers and the EMTs and the nurses and the doctors, listen, there's still so much more of life out there. 
Choose life. Choose Jesus because he is going to walk with you through all of these moments, which is easily the third point, which is this, and it's so cheesy sometimes, but it's true. Cross equals love. And if you don't see love on the cross, then you, you, have, you have completely bought into religion. That somebody would die for you. Jesus says that, that even, even a best friend, it would be like great if a best friend would choose to, to die for you. But most people, like, I'm going to be honest. I love all of you in this room. But I would be lying if I said I would take a bullet for everybody in this room. I'd defend you. I'd take a punch for you. I would. But very few people like, are on my to take a bullet for list. And I don't, listen, I wouldn't expect most of you to take a bullet for me. I wouldn't. But you know what I would say as Christians? I would put my life in front of you if it meant salvation for you. If it meant that I had to be martyred so that people would come to Jesus, I would do that. If it meant that, that, that something had to happen in my life for Jesus to be glorified so that the masses would come to know Jesus or one person would come to know Jesus, then sign me up. Because that's what Jesus did. His death created life. Galatians 4, 5. God sent him to buy. I love this. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. We're the misfit adopted people. Brothers and sisters of a really crazy family. And Jesus, I love what it says. He bought freedom for us because you couldn't do it yourself. You're not good enough to get to heaven. Neither am I. Not one of us can act holy enough, act righteous enough, act, do anything in our life to purchase heaven. Like, I don't care how many grandmas you walk across the street, okay? I don't care how many water wells in India you have sponsored. I don't care if you have sponsored five children in Ethiopia for 25 cents a day, the cost of a coffee, or whatever. You're not getting into heaven just by doing that. You're not. It makes us feel good, and we should be doing stuff like that. But that doesn't get us to heaven. The Bible says very clearly, Jesus is the only way to heaven. He bought freedom for us so that we could have a relationship with, uh, with God. And the only way, the simplest way is, man, God, I believe in you, and I trust in you, and I'm going to live for you. And then every day to slowly progress and to, and to dive in and to live for him as he grows our faith. So how will you live it out? What will you do different moving forward? How will you live to honor this relationship that Jesus died for? The greatest sacrifice ever known to man. So what will you sacrifice in return for the love that God has given us? There's a sacrifice on each and every one of our, our, our lives. Every one of us. There should be, there, there, there's things that God is going to ask of us to give up and to do differently to live for him. And as he do, does that in you, you're going to want to give it out to others. I, I love this thought as we wrap up to the last point. That the same power that Jesus has, he gave to you. Blake, you have the power of miracles in you. That sounds crazy. 
crazy enough to know that it's Jesus. The power of salvation runs in Craig's life. Not because Craig died on a cross, but because he carries the one who did. That everywhere he goes, he has the capability of changing somebody's life just by living out his faith and speaking when he has the opportunity. That the power of Christ lives in us. And the power of Christ, the Bible says, compels us. I was once on a call. Um, we had a call of a teenager threatening suicide. Show up at the house and Hispanic family, very few speak English. Here in Camden. And I'm like, oh, great. I know enough Spanish to make me dangerous, not to be beneficial. Okay? Donde el taco? Followed up with typically donde el baño? Where's the taco? Where's the bathroom? Okay. I can ask you your name, and I can ask you how to buy something. Cuando es Coca-Cola, okay? How much is the Coke? <laughs> Coca-Cola, I should say, because in Mexico, that could be a little bit dangerous. <laughs> so, so I'm not exactly bilingual by any stretch of the imagination, but I show up, and I start talking to this girl. And I just... Getting her to look past her problems. Getting her to look past the moment that she feels stressed out and anxious. I'm on the call for like 30 minutes. Finally, we, things get resolved. And, and, and here, here's the statement that the, the father said through his son in translation. You have been more helpful than any doctor that we have taken her to. I am not a therapist by any stretch of the imagination. Do not bring me your children and think that I'm going to fix them. It was simply speaking life into her. John and, and Peter, when they're going to the synagogue and the beggar's sitting there and he's begging, all he wanted was a little change. And you know what was so cool is that John goes up to him and he goes, silver and gold have I not, but what I do I give to you. Get up and walk in the power of Jesus. It says that the lame man picked up his mat and he walked out. And that could be a really cute Bible story, but the reality is, is that it's truth that's inside of each and every one of us. And we want to make, you know, we have seen it in the church to become a dog and pony show where we have to pray over everything and we have to have the right worship song playing and we've got to have, you know, the right pastor and the right leader in the right moment. No, listen, they were just walking into church and there was a beggar sitting at the door and they said, hey, look, I don't have any money because I'm a pastor, but here's what I do, God. <laughs> I've got the power of Christ in me. I can give it to you. If Jesus can change the world with 12, there's more than 12 people in this room. How much more so can Jesus do in Camden with people that are willing to say, sign me up? Sign me up for showing off the cross of Christ that equals love. Sign me up for the giving of life to those around me. Because you know what? Listen, I've had multiple people in the police department say, I'm going to get you to cuss in the next year. Bigger men have tried. Not going to happen. Why? Because I think cuss words are naughty and, oh, I'm going to run away. I'm on my virgin ears. No. No. It's because the person inside of me 
The Jesus that lives in me wants to speak edifying words, not death words. That's why I don't cuss. That's why I don't say, try to not say negative things. That's why I don't try to harp on death. Man, I want to I speak life into you. You have a purpose and a plan, each and every one of you. That's what Jeremiah says. For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Purpose, plans to give you a purpose and a hope and a future. Man, he says, not to harm you, not to kill you. And then he says, but you can only get that purpose if you seek me. So my last thought as we end this morning. Is the very name of the song, O Victory. Man, as we're leading up to Easter, don't let it just be Easter that is the celebration. Let's not be Christers, Christmas and Easter Christians. Oh man, we know how to get down on Christmas and Easter. Man, I'll praise in my suit. My wife's already bought my Easter clothes. I think it's a button-up shirt. Ooh, pastor's dressing up this Sunday. Listen, I want to live Holy Week out every single day. That in the middle of June when it's hot and sweaty and all I want to do is throw something at somebody because I don't have ice and, 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 and an AC, that I share love. I have a purpose and a plan that, that I don't allow my circumstances to control me, but that I allow the Spirit of God inside of me to control everything. Yeah, I, I put this down. Sing it, see it, speak it, live it. Man, if we can do those four things, we will find victory every single day. Sing it. Man, worship is a powerful tool. A pow- You want to, listen, and I've said this before, and some of you, you started, I, I challenge you. The next time you're having a bad day, the next time you're in the middle of a, 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 a bad conversation with your significant other, throw worship on. Try to yell at each other over, I'm going to see a victory. Yeah, you're right, woman. I'm going to see the victory. No, it's hard. It is really hard to do bad things in the middle of a godly moment. You start to get convicted. You hear worship. You're like, oh, man, I need to. I don't want to stop fighting. Worship will change you. Have a negative day. Throw on some worship music. Watch God's perspective shift your whole moment. It's not that it takes the circumstance away, but it gives a perspective to that circumstance. Can I walk through this with a godly attitude? (laughs) Teachers, when your children are are just driving you insane, you're going to need a worship song. Because you don't want to, you don't want (laughs) to, listen, you're going to need some Jesus. Some of you have posted this before. You know, people are like, you know, do you need Jesus to, to go to church? Do you need Jesus to go to Walmart? You need Jesus to go to the gas station. You need Jesus just to step outside of your neighborhood at this day and age. You need Jesus. And so we need to sing about it. We need to allow those things to impact us. We need to see it. We need to stop looking through our natural eye and to say, God, show me your ways. Give me your perspective. Show me, show me my boss through your lens. Show me my family through your lens. We need to speak it. We need to be life-giving Christians, and we need to live it out so that people would see it. The devil wants you to believe in your death because death produces fear, and fear paralyzes us and keeps us from living out faith and experiencing freedom. So live from a place of victory.
Live from a place where you proclaim and live out victory in your relationships, in your marriages, with your children, from addictions, from past hurts, from past pains, from past relationships, from your job, that you live from a place of victory. Eric, you can go ahead and throw something on. I want to end with this scripture that hopefully encourages you through Holy Week. Psalms 118.14. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has given me victory. You are never meant to do life alone. You are never meant to try to do it through your own strength or your own place of, of, of hope and purpose and, and, and try to just muster up enough to get through the next day. Your life is more valuable than just trying to make it through the day. The Lord is my strength and my song. He is my victory. He's the, he's the thing that when all hope fails, he's what I get to run to and he recharges me. Let me ask you this. How good would this be if you went three days without putting it on a charger? Wouldn't be. Even if you put it on low battery mode and, and, and didn't use it and, and you, you, you took Facebook off. and li Listen, after three days, this thing's about to die. Some of you are more religious about charging your phone than charging your life. And we wonder why our battery's drained. We wonder why we can't function properly. We got too many tabs open and not enough battery to run it. God says, why, why don't you recharge like you recharge your phone? My phone every night goes and gets charged, probably just like the rest of you. Last thing I do is I put my phone on a charger right next to my bed. I see a little green light. I know it's going to be ready for the next day. And God says, why, why don't you recharge your soul every single day so that you know you're ready to take on tomorrow? So that you know that no matter what you face tomorrow, you're going to be connected, plugged in, and ready to go. How is it that this is more important to recharge than the very spirit that lives inside of you? It shouldn't be. So let's commit, not just to, to a, a holy week, but a, a holy lifestyle that every day I'm just going gonna, gonna to charge my, my life up with Jesus a little bit. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get into some devotional that takes me all of five minutes but may change the whole outlook of my day. A little worship, a little prayer, a little building life. Having fun, just recharging. Let's pray. I wonder if there's anybody here that says, you know what? I have tried to do it on my own, and my battery is running dead. I've tried to live without Jesus, but today I want to make a commitment to Jesus. And it's, it's simply this. I want, to, I want to choose life. I want to choose Jesus over the life that I've been living. If that's you, listen, nobody's looking around. I just, I just want to pray for you. If that's you, you're saying, I want to choose Jesus. I've been doing it on my own, and I want to choose you today, Jesus. If that's you, I just want you to raise your hand so I can pray for you. Amen. So there's a prayer, and we call it the, the salvation prayer. And I, listen, I've always said this, that I don't believe that there's power in the prayer. There's power in the person that's praying it. 
But as a sign to partner with anybody that raised their hand, I'm asking maybe that all of us could say this. And, and the, the prayer is simple. It's just saying that I can't do this without you. My sins, I can't be forgiven without you, Jesus. So will you forgive them and I want to live free. So will you repeat after me? Say, dear Jesus, I choose you today because you chose me first. You died on the cross for me. Thank you that you forgave my sins. And now I choose to live for you. God, charge me up every day so that I may be who you want me to be. Thank you, Father. Jesus, I pray for those that made that commitment today to say, I choose you. I choose to live for you. I choose to, to, to walk it out. And it doesn't mean that they're going to be perfect. They're going to still fail. They're going to still have hard days. They're still going to have days where they, didn't, they did more wrong than right. But you know what? Your word says that you will forgive them anyways, that your grace is sufficient enough for all of our hurts, all of our past, and all of our sins. But that God, that today we have chosen to, to take that step of faith to say, I trust you, Jesus. I trust you with my relationships. I trust you with my life. I trust you with every ounce that is inside of me. Help me to be the person that you've wanted me to be. Help me to live out in your future plans for me, plans of hope and plans to prosper me and plans of a future that are God-given. God, for each and every one of us in here, I pray, Jesus, that you would speak life into us so that we could choose life and that this week, as we go throughout our day and th throughout our week, that, God, that we would deposit a little bit of you everywhere we go and that, God, that we would speak life over people and we would speak life over our city and speak life over our families, that, God, that we would show the world around us that hope is not lost yet because a Jesus that died on the cross gave us that hope, gave us a power that lives inside of us that miracles and great things can still come from the church church. Jesus, we choose to live for you, and I pray that this week would be a week where we make you known and make you famous. That as we come back this next week, God, that we would rally together to champion your name. God, let us not just be blessed, but help us to be a blessing to those around us. In Jesus' mighty and powerful name we pray. Amen. Amen.